Hey buddy, I hoid the droughts moving in, muscling in on your turf. To make matters worse, the man keeps telling you to limit your spigot. That drought is bad news, no fooling. But me and my boys can help. The water boys, on the water zone, Thursday nights at six. We'll help you protect your turf and save water. And hey, don't worry about it. Consider it a gift. Yeah, Louie, you heard the boss. We gotta listen in at 6 p.m. on Thursday nights. Okay, Vinny, you got it. The water zone, Thursday nights at 6 p.m. I'll tell our lawn it's now protected. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, 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 drought. Yeah, it's pretty clear, we're really short on blue. It's time to save it, save it, like we're supposed to do. Some say it's doom, gloom, and all our grass must go. But together we can make it and enjoy our golden state. It's all about that drought, about that drought. From the mountains to the desert, to the Pacific Ocean, to the Atlantic Ocean, and all across America, we're live from NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studio in downtown San Bernardino, California. We're live listening to The Water Zone on KCAA, get ready for it, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, 106.5 FM, and Ustream. That's a lot of things going on. Anyway, we're happy. I'm your host, Rob Starr. Mr. Mike Barron is off for the evening because tonight is our MIB Micro-Irrigation Group Ag Show, and we have some great guest hosts, uh, who's actually their regulars, Miss Inge Bisconer and Mr. Paul McFadden. Welcome, guys. Well, welcome to you, Rob. Are you dry? Are you dry tonight? Is it? I know it's it's not raining out there. Yeah, we're we're dry. I'm sitting here with Paul, and we actually kidnapped Mike. He was down here doing business with the MIB folks. So we're all three here, and you're there. Ah. So. Uh, the team is together. I like that. I told Lydia that uh, her husband was cheating on her and was going to have a date tonight, but like, unless you're doing that later. <laughs> yeah, no, we've, we've kidnapped him, and uh, <laughs> we, we love to have our, our landscape and urban brethren with us when we talk about agriculture and food and all that good stuff. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, I'll turn it over to you guys, and I'll sit back and listen. So uh, you're on. Great. Thank well, you. Well, Paul and I have a couple of great guests lined up tonight. Uh, the first one will be addressing something that we've addressed in the last uh, two weeks uh, is the upcoming California Irrigation Institute Conference, which kicks off this Monday in Sacramento. And we've already had a couple of guests talk about uh, the keynote and the um, opening panel, the luncheon speaker, and all the urban uh sessions that will be um, conducted at this conference, and tonight we're going to concentrate on talking about the ag, uh, agricultural sessions at that conference. So we'll be advancing the conversation there, 
And uh, Paul, who is our other, we, we have another topic that we're addressing here in the second half. The second uh, guest tonight is uh, John Topham from the, he's a general manager irrigation dealer up in the northern uh, part of the state, talking about what's happening in his part of the world with all this rain and snow we've been hearing about, and some of the programs that we've discussed in previous shows on how technology is being implemented to be uh, better stewards of those resources. So we've got some interesting things to talk about tonight. So do, yeah. you, so do you guys think the drought is over or it's not over? Your opinion, no. not the state's. That's a, that's a loaded question. That's a loaded question. <laughs> we are not over water improving water management. We will never be. Yeah. Drought is. A, it depends on how you define drought. <laughs> well, we do know that drought is right around the corner with the variability in weather that we've seen in the past two decades. Uh, we know that we'll see dry years in the future and we'll see wet years in the future. And the big question is whether climate change is exacerbating the swings between dry and wet. So only time will tell, but that's why whether it's an ag or an urban, there's got to be a focus on good water management and being good stewards of water. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. But we do know the dinosaurs are not coming back. Yeah. yeah we're always going to have more people and the weather's variable. So towards that end, we want to, we want to, manage our water better. And no one better to talk about that with than Mr. Jim Anschutz, who is our next guest. Jim, are you on the line? Is, I'm is, here. Good evening. All right. Wonderful. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Inge. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Mike. Very good. Well, we look forward to chatting about the uh, CII Conference's Ag Sessions. Uh, before we dive into that, let me introduce our listening audience uh, to you. Um, uh, Jim Anschutz is very well known in the agricultural community. He's been at this for, I don't know, Jim. Decades. Decades. Okay, uh, yeah, because yeah, that's <laughs> what I say now, too, is decades. Uh, Jim's been at it for decades. He's a, he's a professional engineer and has worked for very large farms and water districts and manufacturers in a number of uh, different capacities, and Jim at one time was my boss and at one time was my business partner, so we go long way back as colleagues and, and, and as friends. Uh, Jim is the founder and owner these days of what he's doing is the founder and owner of Ag H2O, and that's a consulting firm that provides ag producers with technology solutions to control the rising cost of water, energy, and nutrients. And he does this through practical measurement and innovatively engineered irrigation system retrofits and upgrades. They're simple, they're proven, and they're available components used by the global water industry uh, all over the world. Uh, that's the basis of Ag H2O systems and services. So Jim's uh, business principle, and along with his partners, is to provide a water, energy, and nutrient cost reduction program and systems that have less than a two-year ROI, so, you know, quick payback. And training is a key component of their systems and services, and uh, that's what helps ensure that ag producers will benefit from the technology that you're providing. So uh, welcome to the show, Jim. Um, Thank you. Jim has also been a CII board member for a few years now, and so, Jim, as a longtime member of the California Ag Irrigation Community, tell us about these ag sessions that we have put together and the joint session that, that you are moderating 
uh, and helped organize, uh, starting with that first ag session, which is called Implementing Sigma. What in the heck is that, Jim? Okay, thank you, Iggy, and uh, thank you again for having me. The uh, first program that's on Monday uh, afternoon is, as Iggy said, Implementing Sigma. How are we getting there? So what is Sigma? Well, that's a new Sustainable Groundwater Management Act in the state of California that is uh, providing the industry with the challenge to better manage our groundwater uh, for more sustainability. Uh, what this means is that local agencies must uh, develop and implement groundwater sustainability plans for managing this limited groundwater that we have. Each of those agencies must consider several items, and there's six. So they must look at these six different items and come up with a plan in order to minimize the, uh, the impact that it has on them. So they must look at the groundwater levels. If there's a declining level, that needs to be part of their plan as to how we're going to uh, minimize the decline in our groundwater levels. Land subsidence, when we pump groundwater and it's not replaced, we leave a vacuum or a space uh, below the surface, and land has a tendency to subside. That can damage structures, buildings, highways, etc. cetera. Uh, seawater intrusion, which is a big issue on the coast. As we pump the groundwater, seawater will move inward and uh, degrade the quality of the water below the surface on our coastal plains. Groundwater storage reduction, and also interconnected water uh, surface water depletions. When you have streams and you're pumping underground water, you'll have impact on the flow in streams. In many cases in dry years, we actually have to pump water in order to keep those streams healthy and, and uh, supplying an environment for fish and animals and plants and etc. The other and one of great concern in the state of California is water quality degradation. So this new act says that we must develop the sustainability plans within these various basins in California in order to make sure that we're sustaining our precious groundwater supplies. So the program on Monday afternoon, we actually have several agencies which will report on what they're doing within their area because not all of these, each, not all of these six items actually affect all of the, state, the areas in the state of California. So we'll have an individual from the Sacramento Valley We'll have an individual from Monterey County on the coast, and we'll have an individual uh, from the uh, west side of uh, uh, the San Joaquin Valley and also down in Ventura. Each of those areas has different challenges, and we'll listen to them as to what their plans are in order to address these challenges and develop their sustainability plans. We have one last speaker there, which we'll talk about what they're doing to combat subsidence. There's some pretty innovative things that are taking place out there in order to minimize the subsidence that uh, has happened and continues to happen. So that's our program for uh, Monday afternoon. I think uh, it'll be a good program for those in attendance to learn what's going on and how are people actually addressing some of the, uh, the aspects within the this new law. Uh, so, uh, Jim, how would that... Uh uh, things like subsidence, for example, affect the listeners in uh, the Los Angeles Basin, for example? Again, anytime we pump groundwater out, we leave a void below the surface, and the, and the uh, 
the surface ground will actually uh, subside or actually move downward. So it can create problems with uh, buildings, structures, water wells, anything above ground. If you look in the San Joaquin Valley, since the 50s, we have areas here where we've had subsidence up to 20-plus feet, which if that were in a municipal area, that would create a, a tremendous amount of damage. So this is a very important part of managing our groundwater extractions to supply our water needs. Yeah, I'm sure this is, um, you know, a new kind of a regulatory burden on the on the growers and the water districts and the agencies to implement this. But uh, at face value, it sounds like this is a really good thing to do. I mean, we don't we don't want our ground sinking, and we don't want to run out of groundwater. It's our it's our savings account for when, for example, we're in a drought. We pump groundwater, and there's none there. So. Um, I think it's really great that we have this act, and I really look forward to seeing what all these people uh, have to say on Monday about how it's going and uh, implementing it, because I'm sure it's, it's new, and it's probably a challenge, and it's kind of tough. And it, what an excellent thing to put together for that. Yeah, excellent. So uh, I guess uh, the next thing that is on the uh, docket for the, uh, for the conference is the implication of uh, decreasing ag acreage or irrigated ag acreage something that's been talked about, uh, you know, during the drought as, as uh, these water uh, resources are uh, uh, diminishing, ground is being fallowed uh, because there's not enough water to go around or uh, it's taken out of production for one reason or another. So, uh, Jim, uh, would you share with us how the conference is going to address this going forward? You know, the reality of the fact here in California that we probably will have uh, acres of agriculture coming out of production uh, presents a unique challenge to the agricultural uh, uh, sector. And regardless of a wet winter or a dry winter, we know that we'll have droughts here in California forever. So now we're, we're trying to plan for how can we address the shortages of water, how can we address making sure that our water supplies are, like the first session, sustainable? So a few things that are going to be shared there is Dan Howes from Cal Poly, from the Irrigation Training Research Center, he's going to talk about some of the innovative things that are being done in the academic area to try and come up with um, different thoughts and technologies to address the possibility of not having as much water and having to farm fewer acres but still stay productive and healthy. We need our farmers to stay productive and healthy, otherwise they can't continue to uh, produce the food that all of us consume. In California, we have uh, a little over a million acres of almonds and about a quarter million acres of pistachios. So Cal Poly has been working on a study to develop a water-applied versus yield curve. So they're looking at when I apply water, how much yield do I receive for each unit of water that I apply? And not always more water produces more product. So they're trying to come up with some very specific numbers to help us realize how much yield we'll get from how much water we apply. This will help growers find that economic uh, point that makes the most sense. Or if they have limited water supplies, they can plan on how to address the acreage that they have planted in order to maximize their, uh, their economical, economic situation with limited water supplies. 
So that one, I, I personally look forward to that. I think that's one of the things that the, the university is going to have to do in the future is to research exactly how much water is needed in order to maximize the yield. And that doesn't necessarily mean get as much product as we possibly can, but it's maximize the yield based upon its value back to the grower. So I look forward to that. We also, in this section, the uh, Groundwater uh, Sustainability Act is going to challenge growers. In certain areas, growers may not have as much water available in the future once these plans are put in place. In many areas, we're over-extracting groundwater. Growers need to come up with a plan in order to manage the acreage that they own in order to minimize negative financial impacts. So we have several growers talking about what their plans are in order to address the possibility, the real possibility, of having less water than they, than they currently do in, in the future. So we have two growers, one from uh, down in the southern part of Kern County, and we have another, which is a dairyman. Now, dairymen are concerned about not only the amount of water that they have, but there are certain pressures being put upon them in order to make sure that they address the water quality degradation from applying water that's used in the production of milk. So we have two different perspectives, one grower in an orchard and another uh, dairyman. Finally, we have a very large grower here in California, J.G. Boswell. They farm in multiple basins, and they'll be sharing with us some of the things that they're doing in order to better cooperate with their neighbors in order to ensure that all their neighbors have sufficient amounts of water in order to make their land as productive as possible. So I think that's going to be an exciting session, hearing especially from growers what their innovative plans are to address the uh, requirements within this law and helping to sustain our water supplies. Yeah, it's always good to hear hear the growers' perspective. Those are the guys that feed us, and um, and that's that's the challenge. That sounds great, Jim. And then uh, rolling over into the joint uh, session on the next day, which you planned with a couple of other fellows, uh, tell us more about this uh, Simplot Smart Farm that's going to be uh, uh, discussed, and also the Irvine Ranch Water District uh, presentation. Well, Simplot is a major manufacturer of various chemicals used in agriculture, in particular fertilizers. They realize that if they don't come up with innovative and creative ways for their growers to make every acre as productive as possible with minimal inputs, they won't be able to sustain themselves financially. So they realize that we will indeed have fewer acres that we can irrigate with the limited supplies that we have. So they have a complete management program that we're working on developing with growers in order to change the way that we farm, in order to use exactly the amount of inputs that are required in order to maximize the financial position of the growers. So they're looking not only at just water, they're looking at fertilizers and growth hormones and various things that growers use to produce the crops and the food that we eat. So I look forward to hearing about what a large organization like Simplot is doing in order to ensure that their future is sustainable, but more importantly, their customers' future is sustainable. So I think we have some, uh, some uh, eye-opening um, 
technologies and uh, plans that uh, a large organization like Simplot has to offer their growers here in the state of California. Yeah, and in addition to making their, their customers, the farmers, more profitable, it's probably making them more sustainable, too, and using resources more responsibly and, and that sort of thing, I, 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 I would bet. And I'm going to just ask Rob. Rob, we have about five more minutes, or what, what are we at on yeah, time? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. That's interesting. Okay, Keep good. going. Very good. Um, and then the Irvine Ranch Water District, Jim? And the Irvine Ranch. Irvine Ranch is down in Southern California. It used to be a large agricultural production area. It's now uh, home to a lot of people. So agriculture and people have to coexist in that particular area. Uh, they're going to share with us what they're doing with their water supplies, primarily reusing municipal effluent in order to irrigate agricultural-type crops. So we look forward to hearing what they're doing not only in the uh, urban area with their water reuse programs, but in their reuse programs in, in agriculture. And that's one area that we will continue to focus on in the future, which is reuse of our water supplies. Uh, water doesn't go away. Uh, if it does evaporate, it returns to earth and rain. But we need to look at ways to continue to use that water multiple times. So in, in, in kind of wrapping up, uh, Jim, the last uh, ag session is going to talk about uh, innovation. How, uh, how would you uh, highlight that? The last section in particular is going to talk about some of the things that are being done in the various areas in the state of California to use either alternative water supplies or to recycle. So we heavily weighted this towards the recycling because that is something of great interest and great focus. So we have several people throughout the state which are implementing recycling programs, and they're going to share to the rest of the group some of their successes and their failures and give guidance to us as to what others can plan in other areas of the state. Yeah, I know that the uh, speaker from Bowles Farming, that's a recent new new hire, uh, like a vice president of technology on a farm. Uh, wow. Um, they're working with drones and sensors and really trying to do a better job of gathering data and making better decisions. I, I really look forward to that one as well. And the Imperial Irrigation District, um, you know, the districts have to keep up with what the farmers are doing. They've got to deliver the water in such a way that the farmers can, can irrigate efficiently with all this new technology. So, yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward, Jim. Uh, uh, we'll see you, I guess, on uh, Sunday or Monday to kick off the conference. And um, any other um, last thoughts about it? Um, how, how can people learn more about it? I just I want to, to reach out to the people that are listening. You can go to the website, CII.org. You can learn more information about the upcoming conference. There's also uh, a section there where you can review things that have happened in the past. And uh, you're welcome to contact any of the directors, and we welcome you to Sacramento, and we look forward to a, a great, uh, successful conference. Yeah, and Jim, hopefully we can bring you back on the show just to talk more about what Ag H2O does, um, uh, just so the listening audience can realize that there's there's some great work being done in agriculture to be more energy and water efficient, be more productive, be more sustainable, and you, you and your organization are at the forefront. So we'd like to hear more from you about some of the projects that you're involved in with utilities and farmers and such, too. All right, I look forward to that. Thank you. All right. Well, folks, um, hopefully um, if somebody's in the Sacramento area at the beginning of next week, uh, go to CAII.org to learn more about the conference. But 
you can see that we've got a great lineup, and we really look forward to uh, seeing a few of you up there. Mike, Mike and I will be working it. Um, and I, I think I want to attend uh, the discussion about the um, Groundwater Management Act. Yeah. That, I think, applies to everyone. Oh, everybody. It applies to everybody, yeah, on the urban, the ag side. We don't have any groundwater. We we have spent our savings account. Yeah. You know, it's very scary. I'm going to sneak it over from the landscape side, or from the urban side over to the ag side for that one. <laughs> I, I, I won't get kicked out. I don't know, Jim. Are we going to let them in our sessions? <laughs> <laughs> Well, since we know Mike, we will. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Rob, are we ready for a commercial break? Or yeah, we're going to take. We're, yes, we're going to take a little break from our great sponsors. We'll be back to the water zone in just a minute. So, everybody, stay tuned. All right, thank you, Jim. Hi, welcome back to The Water Zone on KCEA 1050 AM and 102.3 FM, 106.5 FM, and also on Ustream. So uh, tonight is our Ag Show with our guest host, Ms. Inge Bisconer and Paul McFadden from the Toro's MIB Group. And uh, turn it back over to you guys. Thanks, Rob. Our uh, our next guest is John Topham. Uh, John, are you there? I am here, Paul. Yay, congratulations. Uh, thank you for... Uh, Making the time and the effort to to participate in the in the water zone. Well, I appreciate uh, I appreciate the invitation. Thank you very much. So let me introduce you to the uh, the audience. Uh, John is the general manager of the irrigation design and construction company in Patterson, California, up in uh, Northern California. Prior to that, uh, John was involved in technical sales at Bayer Material Science in Stockton and general manager of the Golden State Irrigation Company, also in Stockton. Uh, John is a member of the Board of Directors of the International Irrigation Association and past president of the California Ag Irrigation Association. John holds a Bachelor of Science degree from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in Agricultural Engineering. So uh, having said all that, welcome to the Water Zone. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Um, could you maybe uh, tell the uh, listeners a little bit more about uh, your background and and uh, and how you got started up in the in the irrigation in the water industry, please? Sure. Yeah, it, it feels like I've been a part of the irrigation industry my whole life. I um, grew up in Riverside, California, down by down by you, and my family farmed uh, citrus and avocados. I would have been the fourth generation to to farm had that been the the route that I'd gone. Um, farming went through some tough times in the in the 80s, early 80s, and my father ended up opening a retail irrigation store to serve the ag and turf and landscape industries. I grew up working in that store and, until I went to Cal Poly, and while I was in college, my father called me one day and told me that uh, he was selling the store and, and wasn't going to be farming anymore. So I was I was fortunate to uh, have some contacts in the irrigation industry and ended up. Um, being hired by Golden State Irrigation in Stockton and did quite a few things for them while I was there. Started out designing irrigation systems uh, using AutoCAD and and uh, then moved into outside sales and then eventually became the general manager there. I took a short break from the industry in 2002 when I worked for Bayer Material Science and then in 2009 
2004, uh, started irrigation design and construction with Mike Conrad, and I've been there since. Yeah, well, I'm dating myself by remembering uh, you as a little boy at Top of the Sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I didn't know if you wanted me to bring that up or not, Inge, but... <laughs> Inge's only 29. Oh, Again, <laughs> with a few years of experience. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's fantastic that that little boy has ended up being you and all the wonderful things that you're doing. Well, tell us um, uh, about what's going on with the uh, the rain and snowfall in your area and how it's affecting both the short and long term uh, ag irrigation scene. And, and then, of course, the million dollar question is the drought over? <laughs> Well, that's that's funny. I was uh, earlier today. You know, I I'm a skier. I like to go skiing quite a bit. And earlier today, I saw that one of the places we like to ski has received 24 feet of snow in January alone. That would be uh, mammoth. Is, that would be chair five. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, actually, I was, this is up in the in the Tahoe area, but yeah, it's the same. It's the same there as well. Yeah. And you know, that's what they normally get in an average average season um and things certainly have not been average the last five six years um but yeah you're hearing stories like this uh, both in northern california and southern california it, it's been a an amazing year as far as rain and snowfall goes uh, you know it's it's obviously a blessing that, that we're getting it now but also a, a bit of a curse uh you know it's it's tough when especially for agriculture when you get this much rain in this short of a time period it really saturates everything and you start to see flooding and and it can adversely affect crops um you know the land just can't deal with the amount of rain coming out of it all at all at one time uh you know it's been good for reservoir levels which is a, a long-term thing um it helps increase those levels they've been so low for so long i i was driving on uh over to uh monterey county earlier this week and there's a sandless reservoir up on highway 152 there that uh, when it's full, water is on both sides of the freeway, and this is the first time in probably 10 years that I've seen water on both sides of that highway, uh, so it was nice to see. Um, you know, that it, it helps with, with crops. Uh, the rain, sorry, the rain has helped with uh, crops coming through uh, when they start to um, push in the spring. You know, there's going to be plenty of moisture in the soil when they wake up to, to get them going a, on a good footing. Um I think one of the long, another long-term issue that that we really need to um, think about is how the general public views all the terrain that we've had. I think your average um, person doesn't really think about how all this rain really doesn't last. You know, you're, you, it comes in a very short time period, but we need to make the best use of it over the long term. Uh, and I, we've really built up a lot of good momentum over the last few years in, in addressing some of the issues our state faces uh, with water usage, and I, I'm hopeful that we don't lose that um, because of this, because of the rain that we've received. So, to your main question, is the drought over? I, I, know, I heard you ask that to, uh, to Jim earlier as well, uh, and ultimately, it looks like. In the northern part of the state, anyway, it, it probably is for the short term. Um, however, that's no reason to, to act like it. it's not going to happen again because we all know that it's going to. Um, it happens. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, 
Uh, yes, the, the answer is yes in the northern part of the state, but, but we definitely shouldn't consider it gone forever. Right, right. You know, if you take, uh, take uh, today as a one point on a uh, decade timeline, let's say it's, uh, it's over, but if you look at the rest of the timeline, uh, water, uh, uh, water availability certainly is below that threshold uh, 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 if you use drought as, as, the, as the kind of the line of demarcation, if you will. And we're only over it uh, for a short period of time. We can drop below that line in a relatively short uh, short order. So, well, if you exactly. define it just as precipitation, yeah, the precipitation precipitation drought is over, but not the management and the you know the shortages that we have. Uh, those remain. Sure, that's that's a very good way to put it. I haven't heard it put that way. Before. Also, just this is Mike from uh, the landscape side, but uh, you know, officially the drought isn't over till Governor Brown says the drought emergency is over, and I know the State Water Resources Control Board is continuing to state that they need to wait to see what happens in April and the snowpack True. in April, how does that compare? Because just because it's raining a lot in the first part of the year doesn't mean March, April is going to be as good. So that's another definition. True. Regulatory drought. Yes, yeah. regulatory drought. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're going to have a contest to give away a $100 gift certificate if somebody can <laughs> guess the date the governor is going to come out and say the drought's over. That, that's a truism. <laughs> uh, so, uh, John, um, obviously you're very active and been active in a long time, uh, uh, starting at a very young age in the industry, but really a step forward into more of a not only a state leader, but a national leader in this discussion. And I want to probe that a little bit uh, and see, uh, you know, obviously you've had some successes. Uh, uh, what uh, motivates you and, and why are you so engaged and what results have you seen as a result of your your involvement? Um, you know, Paul, I think being a, a voice in whatever industry you're in is, is an important thing to do. Uh, I think the irrigation industry has struggled uh, to really find its place in the greater agricultural world. You know, you look at equipment manufacturers, you know, tractor manufacturers, fertilizer and chemical companies, and even some water districts to a certain degree. I think they've done a good job in, in becoming a recognized portion of the agricultural industry. Uh, you know, outside of the agri excuse me, outside of the irrigation industry, there aren't too many people that can tell you much about what kind of drip emitter or sprinkler a grower is using. Um, but, you know, you ask, uh, you ask somebody what kind of tractor a farmer uses, and, and they're going to know, whether it's John Deere or, or Case or, or whatever it may be. Uh, I think the I would really like to see the irrigation industry be known the way companies like that are. Uh, and I see volunteering in organizations like the Irrigation Association as well as the California Ag Irrigation Association as a way to start doing that. As an industry, we have a lot to contribute to the productivity of agriculture, and I think we could do a lot more to, to promote our abilities. Yeah, the equipment. Um, I, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go well, ahead. I was going to say that the equipment and the fertilizer and the seed and, you know, all those components of farming seem to have a lot of, if you will, attention and yeah. uh, built up over the years. And, and water, not so much, because it used to be plentiful and it used to be inexpensive, but that's changing rapidly. And now irrigation needs to um, gain that same stature in the farm input portfolio. And uh, you're doing a great job of elevating that with your volunteer work. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, but yeah, that's exactly 
that's exactly my point. I, I think it's important that, that we become thought of that way um, as, as being just as important as, as any other agricultural input. I think one, uh, one thought that comes to my mind is when you look at the percentage of all the irrigated uh, lands, not just in the country, but say just in the state of California, and, the, and what uh, percentage uses micro and drip irrigation or even uh, mechanical ir- irrigation, it's a relatively small percentage compared to, say, farmers that use tractors or farmers that use fertilizer. And so, to me, the the irrigation industry seems a bit more fragmented just in the fact that, uh, you know, 15%, let's say, use efficient irrigation uh, in as we know it with uh, drip and micro, and then uh, there's a certain uh, percentage that uses sprinkler, but... Uh, you know, it doesn't even come to half of all the uh, the farmland uh, that even use uh, use any kind of irrigation. So uh, that may be a uh, maybe a reason why we're so fragmented as a, as an industry. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, and I I also think, Paul. I know you and I have talked in the past about how uh, irrigation system maintenance is a huge component that not a lot of uh, dealers, such as our company, deal or spend much time on. Uh, you know, we, we've been, especially the last 10 years or so, just so busy putting in new systems that we we could do a better job uh, helping growers to maintain what they have and to, to continue to get the, the level of efficiency they get when it's first installed. Um, you know, that's one area that, that I think we could do more and should do more. Um, yeah, part of one of the challenges, too, is that, you know, to, to do a better job and to adopt technology, it, it takes money. It, it takes an investment. Yeah. And one of the challenges has been to convince farmers that, yes, we they, they actually they acknowledge that the technology is great, but, hey, I just can't afford it. So one right. thing that's on the scene these days much more strongly than, than in the past is programs like SWEEP or EQUIP. And I know IDC mm-hmm. is very involved in helping farmers access those funds so they can modernize their farms with a little bit of help um, and incentivization from from uh, from our political um, uh, leadership. So tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about how you, how you've um, how you've done that because you've been very successful in it. Yeah, the the EQIP program is is through the USDA. Uh, uh, offices located in each county in California. Uh, it's a it's a relatively simple program to apply for. It covers a lot of different things, not just irrigation uh, efficiencies. But um, our industry has really seen a growth in say the last probably 10 to 15 years in the usage of that program. And the program has really shifted its focus to a certain degree toward irrigation and water efficiency. Um, you know, it's a it. Um, excuse me. The application process is simple. We have we know based on our locations that we that we have offices in. We we know our USDA NRCS representatives pretty well and and have good working relationship with them. And that helps when growers go to apply. Excuse me for those grants. They. Uh, can say that they're going to be working with IDC. The people there know us; we know them. So it's it's a very seamless process for a grower to go through 
uh, and to get grant funding for for their projects. Um, we also utilize uh, the SWEET program that you mentioned. Uh, that's a state-run program uh, through the California Department of Student Agriculture. Uh, that is a little different in that it's a it's a pretty extensive application that a, a grower has to fill out. The growers have to have really very accurate usage data from prior years on what their water use has been, as well as um, you know if they're going to be replacing a diesel engine with an electric one, how much fuel they've used over the years to show uh, what their greenhouse gas emission reductions will be. Um, if a proposal is, is put in place. Uh, so that greenhouse gas emission reduction is a, is a totally new piece to, to tie to irrigation efficiency funding, and so it makes that program unique. Um, it's fairly straightforward, though. It is, like I said, it is an extensive application, but it's fairly straightforward. Um, growers can apply to install solar panels to offset electricity usage um, on electric pumps or, as I mentioned, they can replace diesel engines with, with electric ones. Um, and they've both been very useful for growers. The SWEET program, I think, started in 2014 was the first year that they had funding. So that's only been around for a few years, while EQIP has been around for quite a number of years. Uh, but they've both been very successful in getting growers to, to transition to new technologies and to uh, reduce their reliance on furrow and flood irrigating. You know, I was doing a, a little analysis last month for uh, the Irrigation Association's Drought Summit, and in the process of that analysis, I talked to uh, leadership at CDFA on what the results of the sweep program have been so far and what it's projected to be. And, you know, they've committed, I think, almost $50 million to this program. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there are very, very significant anticipated water savings from these programs, and these aren't just random numbers that somebody's put down on a piece of paper. All of these applications, I think you would agree and know, are vetted by our University of California personnel, and it's a competitive process. Not everybody gets the money that applies. You have to prove that you're going to, you know, have these savings. Um, exactly. So I, I, I um, would you agree that um, the, the projected water savings or, you know, uh, greenhouse gas reductions or whatever the parameters are, would you agree that what have been submitted are pretty close to what you're actually seeing or that you will see? I, I know that some of these funds have already resulted in systems and results, but some of them are in process and, and are happening in the future. So you, you feel pretty good about, hey, we the people, our tax dollars are being spent for this. Are we getting some good bang for our buck? I, I do feel that we are, Ingi. I Like I said, the program started in, in 2014. Our first involvement in any applications was in 2015, uh, and those systems weren't installed until last year, 2016. So um, we have not been able to really see – well, we don't have a lot of data yet uh, is what it comes down to. But, but yes, ultimately I do think so. Uh, uh, in that application process, yeah, you have to have uh, real verifiable data uh, of what you've used as far as fuel or, or water or um, um, other inputs. But uh, yeah, you have to you have to verify what you're going to do, which is um, 
which is good. Uh, you know, it holds people accountable and it, and it makes sure that, that the money is being spent wisely. Yeah, I really love it. It's uh, helping modernize our agriculture, which, which is drastically needed. We need the food. Yeah. We need to be more efficient with the resources that, that are consumed in agriculture. All right. Exactly. Well, thank, you, thank you for um, talking about that with us. Sure. So <clears throat> given all of that, uh, John, what, what are your... Uh, uh, what are your thoughts? What do you see happening? What's your vision for the industry as a as the as an irrigation dealer, but also someone who's using efficient uh, uh, installing, designing, and installing and selling efficient irrigation systems to growers to be better stewards of those resources? What do you see happening over the next few years and even decades as as an industry in California? <laughs> That's that's a tough question, Paul. I won't um, hold you to it. Uh, What's that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to call you John Nostradamus. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> well, um, you know, I'm. Uh, I'll, I talked about it earlier, but I'm really hopeful that we don't forget the the situation that we've been in the last five or six years with the drought, um, and that we don't lose all the momentum that we've that we built up. Um, you know, both cities and agriculture need water. Um, there's no getting around that. Uh, I think we need to, you know, it's easy to say, but I think we need to, to come to a realistic expectation of what each requires and what is important to us as a, as a state. Um, and the environment needs water, too. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, it is, it is an important use of, of water. It's, it, it's an important part of our state. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> based on based on our history, I, I think we're going to continue to struggle um, in in coming up with real long term solutions. I think we're going to uh, struggle with dealing with the fact that we don't have a reliable source of water in this state. Um, you know, there are plenty of positive things people and, and industry have been and are are continuing to do. But ultimately, I think it's pretty easy to, to blame. You know, you know, no matter what group you claim to be a part of, I think it's easy to blame another group for the state's water issues and water problems. Um, but really, it, it's, it requires all of us to figure out how we're going to work with the water that we have and make, it, make the, the most use out of it um, and stop blaming each other for the lack of water. So yeah, not, the, not the most positive outlook, but I, I am hopeful that, that things will improve uh, over time. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that at least the, the public, I think I think the business community has a little longer attention span, but that the public won't just revert back to, oh, it's raining, it's over. Yeah, we need to right. make it, a, as we said earlier, Mike, a, a water ethic, as other countries right. have. I'm reading... Um, um, a book by an Israeli who, you know, uh, talks about how children in Israel grow up with a nursery rhyme that that um, uh, says something that we have to save every drop, and we have a nursery rhyme here in the United States that says, uh, Rain, rain, go away. Rain, rain, go away. Come back another yeah. day. This is just the exact opposite in Israel. And, and yeah. we, we need to, as a society, have a water ethic and value water and I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hopeful that people got the message this time. It was really scary to think that in our lifetimes it may not ever rain again. I'm yeah, so happy exactly. 
so happy it's raining. I, I, yeah. I think there has been so much more effective outreach um, by the water agencies throughout the state of California that some of that has had to sink into the mindsets of uh, consumers. But also, there's been a number of water agencies that have had to raise rates or implement tiered uh, rate structures because when you reduce water consumption, which we did in 2015 by, you know, 22%, 23%, that's revenue that's decreased. Mm -hmm. And as you know, water agencies have a very high fixed cost kind of uh, financial structure. So they've had to raise rates. The single most effective way to reduce water consumption in the urban community is to raise rates. That's been proven. And that's happening. So that's a reinforcement just it hits our pocketbook. We pay more attention to it. So sure. I think I think yeah. it'll last longer yeah. this yeah. yeah. You know, one thing I might add to your thoughts, uh, John, which I completely agree with, is the fact that we see the rain coming down. We see in the news the reservoirs filling up that uh, don't have the big bathtub uh, ring around them any longer. They're filling up. Um, the streams and creeks are flowing again. But I think the one thing that uh, we can't see, uh, and uh, uh, our previous guest, Jim Anschutz, discussed it a little bit, is the groundwater situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of a three-legged stool. We, uh, we have the groundwater in uh, the in the surface water and the conveyance system, without all of that working uh, together in in uh, kind of collaboration uh, and in good healthy condition, uh, any one of those three could really throw us uh, throw us into a tailspin from a from a state water perspective. And uh, yeah, I the think groundwater is still in a drought. So there's the, another definition. Yeah, the ground, <laughs> yeah, underground yeah, drought. Yeah, the ground goes under. <laughs> we do. We have an underground drought. We have a, the entire. If you look at the uh, the maps and so forth, uh, the Central Valley. I checked it uh, yesterday. The uh, the uh, the the groundwater situation in the throughout the Central Valley, almost all the way to the Oregon border, uh, is uh, in a severe overdraft uh, position. And so we can't uh, we can't see it. Uh, we we can feel it, and we can look at it on a map. But uh, I I think it's often overlooked, and I think uh, we ought to yeah. cognizant of that as well. Yeah, very true, Paul. Well, I think also the state should be looking f for more ways to get rid of some of the red tape to make some projects happen. I mean, well, we need to re yeah, we need to recharge our groundwater, and there's some yeah. great projects where they're opening the gates on the rivers and letting it flood ag land here in the winter when the trees and vines are dormant, and that's working really well. But it took millennia to, to create those groundwater aquifers. It's going to take a while for that much water to sink yeah. through the soil again and, and recharge, but, but we've got to start. Yeah. We've got to start doing it now. Yeah. I'm still thinking we get the water train and fill those 132 rail cars up with water and bring it on down to Southern California. <laughs> 32 rail cars. Well, that would probably last a week. Yeah. Well, John, uh, <laughs> in the little time we have left, John, any final thoughts? I think no, in the, in, the, in the sake of the time that we have left, I, I just want to thank you both for giving me the opportunity and to, to talk to you today, and, and, and thank you very much. Well, we appreciate, you, we appreciate you coming on the show, and thanks, everybody, for listening. The, this is a place where you get to learn a lot of stuff from smart people, and I appreciate that from uh, our crew down in uh, 
uh, El Cajon, Mike, and Ingi, and Paul, and our guests today. Thanks for listening to The Water Zone. We'll be here next week.